Good to see you this morning, and happy Mother's Day. Moms, it's great to have you with us. As Pastor Bill mentioned, I hope, ladies, you'll all stop by uh, on your way out and pick up a gift, and we are uh, honored to share this day with you, especially those of you uh, who are single moms. Just thanks for uh, the role that you play, uh, an encouragement to our young moms, um, because there's a lot of energy in those early years, isn't there? And encouragement to our grandmothers incredible influence that you have um, and so it's good for us we have a we have a gift for every lady so glad that you're here here's what i realized though a couple of minutes ago when pastor bill said happy mother's day there were three guys in this room who went it's mother's day like like a wake-up call it sneaks up on you doesn't it so what's going to happen is you're already thinking i know two grocery stores within a half a mile you're going to get a card let me help you out and show you some Mother's Day cards you should not buy, okay? These are Mother's Day cards that you should not pick up on your way home. Let's take a look here real quick. The one that says, despite your terrible driving, I still love you. Don't get that for your mom, okay? How about this one? I love you more than dad. Might be true. Doesn't need to be said. Can I get an amen, guys? All right, here's the next one. I got you this card because it matches your hair. <laughs> it's silver. You, you get, see that? Yeah. Don't buy that one. I'm awesome. You're welcome. Happy Mother's Day to the luckiest mom. Isn't that a good one? Okay, here's, well, I guess this Mother's Day card is late. Looks like someone wasn't raised properly. <laughs> Don't get that one. Don't buy that one. This one. Mom, thanks for always checking up on me. And the little cell phone says, Mom, 24 missed calls. <laughs> and then this one kind of follows that up with, Mom, I loved you loads. Speaking of loads, can you do my laundry? It's not what she wants to see on Mother's Day. This next one, last one, I like this one. Happy Mother's Day. Many thanks for the free womb and board. Don't get that one. Don't buy that one. I'm just trying to help you out. Because sometimes you need a little help to understand how some things work. And guys, those aren't good cards. And sometimes, especially when we come to church, we need a little help to understand some things that maybe we don't fully understand. One of those things might be God himself. But there are things about God that we don't quite get or fully understand. A few weeks ago, we started a series of messages that we've called The Next Big Thing. We're, we're beginning a, a journey that we're going to be on for some time through the book of Acts. And we're kind of working our way right now through the first two books. And, and we, we've taken our time going through Acts chapter 1. And one of the things that we've seen is that God gave a promise. He told the disciples, Jesus told his followers, I have a great gift I'm going to give to you. There is something that I want you to have. And we've referred to this throughout this process as the next big thing, that God has something big. And for many of us, we look at our own lives and we say, God, I'm ready for, I want everything that you have for me. I'm looking for the next big thing in my life. And if you're in that place, what do you do? And so we spent the last two weeks talking about how do you get ready for the next big thing. Let's go back to the text and look at what Jesus was talking about. Acts chapter 1, beginning with verse 4. On one occasion, while Jesus was eating with them, he gave his disciples this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. What they were waiting for, what they were looking for, what they were, what they were anxious to receive in their lives was the power of, of the Holy Spirit. Jesus refers to it as the gift of the Holy Spirit. And oftentimes I think we, we think about God and we think about God the Father 
I mean, we kind of get that. And we think about Jesus, we know a lot about Jesus, Easter and Christmas, and we look at all these stories in Scripture about Jesus, but when we get to the Holy Spirit, I think there's times when we just kind of go, I, I don't know that I get that one. I don't know that I fully understand what, what it means when we talk about God, the Holy Spirit. And if you're in that place, that's nothing to be ashamed of. In fact, you're in good company. In Acts chapter 19, there was this time when, when Paul was traveling. He went to this place called Ephesus, and watch what happened. Look at verse 1. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. And when he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered, no, we've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. They not only didn't understand it, they, they were already believers. They were disciples. They, they put their trust in Jesus. They just, they just didn't even know that there was a Holy Spirit. And so what we're going to do for the next couple of weeks is, is talk about who the Holy Spirit is. Because sometimes we say, well, what is the Holy Spirit? When actually the, the right question to ask is, who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is a person. And he wants to know you, and he wants you to know him. That's why we used this definition a couple of weeks ago, that the Holy Spirit is the third person in the Trinity, and a relationship with him is a vital part of the Christian life. So our desire is that each of us has this, this healthy, meaningful relationship with the Holy Spirit. He wants to have that relationship with you. And, and so what we're going to kind of unpack over the course of the next few weeks is this statement, the Holy Spirit desires to live in us, with us and through us the holy spirit desires to live in us and with us and through us and each week we're going to we're going to look at scriptures we'll look at what the gospel of luke says about the holy spirit we'll look at what the gospel of john says about the holy spirit today primarily we're going to be looking at what the apostle paul in, in all those those kind of little books those letters the epistles that he wrote kind of in the in the last half of your new testament we're going to look at what paul says about the holy spirit now, if you have your Bibles, you, you might want to go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 8, because that's where we're going to be for most of our time today, Romans chapter 8. But as we're turning there, something was really on my heart about, not just today, but, but probably these next three or four sermons in particular. You know, every time I, I, I get the opportunity to, to speak on a Sunday, I realize that it's this great privilege that it's not just my words, but my hope and my prayer is that it's, it's God's words that are able to be spoken through me. Does that make sense? But in particular, I don't know, for these messages, I keep coming back to what Paul says in, second, in excuse me, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. He says, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Look, my prayer is that what we talk about today will not just be kind of fun or fancy words. But there'll be words that have the impact that will allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart. Because I, I can communicate, but it's the Spirit that brings life change. And I've come to realize that the Holy Spirit can do more in 30 seconds than I can do in 30 minutes. Which causes some of you to go, then, then why do you go 45? Romans chapter 8, let's jump in. And here's your homework, right? Romans chapter 8. Is, is, is probably one of the, the classic passages of Scripture where Paul talks about what it means for us to be in relationship with the Holy Spirit. Your homework is at some point this week to sit down with your Bible, kind of take a couple of minutes, open up Romans chapter 8, and before you start to read it what, it, what if you prayed a prayer that said, open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your word. We're going to jump in at verse 9, Romans chapter 8, look at what Paul says. 
He says, you, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but in the realm of the spirit. Watch this phrase. If indeed the spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. So let's begin at this place. There's a powerful phrase that he uses there that that we're going to kind of launch off of for this morning. The spirit lives in us. Now this, this is this incredible picture that if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you know that your sins have been forgiven, that you, you've, you've made Jesus your Savior and your Lord, and you know that you have the hope of being in eternity with Him. Then Scripture says, if Christ is your Savior, then the Spirit lives in you. What does that mean? Well, look what Paul goes on to say, verse 10 of Romans chapter 8. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him, look at this, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. His spirit, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, lives inside of us. It says that our physical bodies someday will die, but not not our spirits. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you're going to live forever. So understand this, the spirit enables us to live with God forever. Because of the Holy Spirit's work in our lives, we will live with God forever. But what Paul also will make very clear in this passage is that the Spirit empowers us to live for God today. When we talk about a relationship with the Holy Spirit, it's not just this eternal thing forever, but the Spirit comes and helps us in the way that we live today. So if that's the case, then then the question we're going to unpack today is, is a pretty simple one. If the scriptures say that the spirit lives in us and that we're then in turn to live in the spirit, what is life in the spirit? What even is that? What do we mean when we talk about it? Look, there's there's so much that we could say here about this. We could we could really unpack this for a long time. In fact, we're we're next week going to look at another kind of aspect of what we know about the Holy Spirit. And then we'll do that again over the course as we go through the book of Acts. But but today, just kind of looking at what Romans chapter 8 says to us, we're going to talk about what it means to live life in the Spirit. And I want to show you three ways that your life is changed when the Spirit of God lives inside of you. For some of us, this is, this is stuff we already know. For some of us, it's a bit of a refresher because we really haven't been living in, in this life in the Spirit. And I really do believe that for some of us, today's going to be a game changer. Here's the first thing that you'll see. Number one, life in the Spirit is a life of freedom. Number one, it is a life of freedom. As Americans, we love that word, don't we? I mean, we're all about freedom. In fact, the the truth is, much of the, the turmoil and conflict that's even going on in our own nation right now is because different people have different ideas about that word. But spiritually, it's real clear what Scripture says. Look at this, Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Paul talks about spiritual freedom. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Man, there's a lot there. But the beginning of that, I I think it's one of the most powerful phrases in all of scripture. There is, therefore, now no condemnation 
for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's good, isn't it? I mean, that's, that's, that's something that will change your life if you'll, if you'll take some time there. And why is that true? Why is there no condemnation? Where does this freedom come from? It comes because of what Christ did for us. And Jesus died on the cross. He paid the price for our sins. He, he took the punishment for the sins that you and I have, the things that were condemning us. He, he took care of that. And then what Scripture says is the Holy Spirit then brings life to us because of what Christ did. And as a result, we have freedom. Where does freedom come from? Freedom comes from forgiveness. The forgiveness that we've experienced from God through Jesus Christ, the fact that there's therefore now no condemnation is a powerful thing. And that freedom comes from forgiveness. How does the Holy Spirit do this? Well, look what Paul says a little later in the Bible in Titus chapter 3. He says that God saved us not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior. See, we are renewed by the Spirit at salvation. When we come to that experience where we, where we receive Christ's salvation, that experience with Jesus Christ, Scripture says we are reborn and we're renewed by the Holy Spirit. For some of you, that's, I, I know this because I've talked to you, that's something fresh and it's new. And you've, you've recently maybe been baptized or, or you've received this experience where, where you've understood that God has brought you forgiveness and he's brought you grace and he's brought you hope and he's brought you a purpose. And it's a powerful thing. For others of us, maybe it's, it's something that, that we, we live in, we've experienced it, but maybe we've let the reality of this become a little stale for us. And for others of us, I, I, I full-heartedly believe that today could be the day that you experience this freedom for the very first time. What Paul doesn't want you to forget here is that sin does not need to have the same power over us that it once did. The Spirit comes alongside of us and He helps us in moments of weakness. He helps us in times of temptation. And death doesn't have to be that cloud over our lives that causes us to have fear or despair. But Jesus conquered death. He, he, he broke this. He, he, he took aside that law of sin and death. And that condemnation, those things in our past that keep coming back, they don't have to rule us. They, they don't have to own us anymore because we have been given freedom. It's a powerful thing, and we can live in it, although sometimes we don't. There was this news story in, in the news a week before last about a police department in the state of Oregon that had to respond and give a verbal warning to a cat. And they took a picture of it, posted it on their Twitter account. I'll, I'll, I'll uh, bring it up on the screens here so you can see it. Right there in the middle of that tree, do you see that little white cat? And does it not look like he's holding an assault rifle? It does, doesn't it? Someone called the police in the town of uh, Newport, Oregon, and said there is a cat in a tree with an assault rifle. The police went out, took a look. They posted this picture on Twitter, and this is, this is what they said. Reports of an armed cat this morning are unfounded. The feline was contacted by our canine and was determined to be in possession of a non-lethal branch. The cat was given a verbal warning for posing with what could be mistaken as an assault rifle while wearing poor camouflage attire. Isn't it funny what scares us sometimes? Cat in a tree with a stick. Or as a follower of Jesus Christ, condemnation. We, we let these things kind of hover over us. And they, and they look like they're going to come back to get us. 
And Paul says, look, there's, there, there's therefore no condemnation because the Spirit has given you freedom. He set you free from those things. So that law of sin and death, Jesus broke that. And then when the Spirit comes and gives you new life, when he, when he refreshes, when he renews, when he restores, when you're reborn, then you don't have to fear that anymore. Isn't that good news? Like, that, that's freedom. So the reason that sometimes we don't live in that freedom is because we're scared of the cat in the tree that really doesn't have a weapon on us anymore. Or so, sometimes the reason we don't live in that freedom is because we keep going back to the place where the condemnation is. Look at what Paul says, Romans chapter 8, verse 5. Next verse, he says, Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. See, the freedom's there. You, you just got to choose to live in it. A lot of Scripture tells us that, that we walk in those things. Do, do we walk? Do we move? Do we live? Do we make our choices in what brings us freedom? Or, or do we do it in the flesh, the things that seem right to us, even when we know they're outside of God's best for us, and, and we don't walk in the Spirit. Instead, we, we live by the flesh. We must choose to live by the flesh or by the Spirit. That's where that freedom comes from. And, it, and it's a choice that comes our way. And look, I'm not, I'm not trying to beat anybody up here. Paul gets it. After you do your homework in Romans chapter 8, you might want to go back and read Romans chapter 7. Because in Romans chapter 7, Paul, you, you just see him kind of, frustrated and he says why do i keep doing the things that i don't want to do like we struggle with these things we struggle in these ways it's, it's real it's true and what he's saying here is if we walk in the spirit then then that'll help us to deal with those things in the flesh what kind of things anger fear lust pride jealousy bitterness reliance on self living in the past lying cheating Stealing, did I get just about everybody? Like, like it's there, right? And, he, and here's what scripture says. It says you, you don't have to live in that list because there's freedom. Romans chapter 8, verse 12. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation. It's not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. We need the Spirit's help with this. And oftentimes when I need help, I'm, I'm a little bit hesitant to ask for it because I'm afraid that I'm going to pull somebody away from something that they're already doing or I'll inconvenience them. Here's, here's the beauty of this. When you ask for the Spirit's help, He's right there because He doesn't live far from you. What did Scripture say? He lives in you. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who's in you whom you've received from God, you're not your own. Look, it, Scripture goes on to say it, that you're bought with a price. You belong to him. He lives inside of you. The believer is to be the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. And if that's the case, if the Spirit lives inside of you, then in those moments when you need to walk in the Spirit, not in the flesh, you can call out to him, and he's there to help you. Now, before we move on from here, one other Scripture. L look at this, because I think this is really important. And I know we're giving you a lot of scriptures today, but I want you to, I want you to have something that you can hang this on. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. You see what he said here? 
where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. It's there. The presence of the Holy Spirit brings freedom. And for some of you, what you need today is that freedom. I got good news for you. I know his presence is here. I know he's here today. And whether you feel like he walked in with you or not, I know he's here right now. And maybe you need freedom from sin. Maybe, maybe you've not experienced his salvation. Maybe you've not experienced his forgiveness. Maybe you don't know that the Spirit lives inside of you. Christ Jesus died for you, no matter who you are or what you did. And he wants to be your Savior. That means he forgives your sins. And he wants to be your Lord. That means he's going to give you guidance and direction in your life. And it comes to a point where you say, Jesus, I receive that gift. I make you my Savior. I make you my Lord. And when you do that, that freedom is available. The Spirit lives inside of you. And you can receive that today before this day's over. And for some of you, it's this thing that may, maybe you've been walking more in the flesh than you have in the Spirit. And today's a day to say, God, I need to claim that freedom because you live inside of me. He desires to give you life in the Spirit is for you a life of freedom. You can find that today. But that's not all. Let's go back to Romans chapter 8. Let's, let's look at a second thing. I want to talk to you today also, number two, about a life of peace. Number two, let's talk about a life of peace. Peace can be hard to find. And if anybody should have some peace on a day like today, it's moms. Can I get a mo an amen, moms? Wouldn't you like some peace? Absolutely. Listen to this, especially if you're a young mom. They did a survey in the United Kingdom. So this was in Great Britain. They asked 1,000 moms, and they found out that moms may be the most quizzed people on the planet. On average, this is what they found out. From the time from breakfast to what they called afternoon tea, right? This was in Great Britain. So what's that, 3 o'clock, something like that? During that time, they found out that stay-at-home moms face one question every 2 minutes and 36 seconds. That adds up to 105,120 questions per year. Sound about right? This is an interesting thing to look at. Here they say are the, the top five toughest questions. Why is water wet? Where does the sky end? What are shadows made of? Why is the sky blue? How do fish breathe underwater? Some of you, that's not the tough question you're facing. Some of us, your question is, why can't I find peace? I'm looking for it. I'd like to have it. Why can't I find it? Romans chapter 8, verse 6, look at what Paul says. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's laws, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. So look what he says here. He says that peace in our minds comes from the spirit. If you, if you want to find peace in your mind, in your thinking, in, in your everyday life, you can find this through life in the spirit. That's a part of what happens when the spirit lives inside of us. Why is that? Because when, when the Spirit is alive inside of us, when we're, we're, we're living life in the Spirit, then we're not at conflict with God. When we're at conflict with God, that's what robs us of peace. And you might go, well, well, it's not affecting me so much. If you're pushing God out of an area in your life, you can try to hide it, you can try to cover it up, you can try to find other things, other substances, other activities, other, other whatever to fill that in. But if you get right down to it, at its very core, if you've pushed God out, if you're at conflict with him in that area of your life, you do not have peace in that area. Not lasting peace. Not peace that really fills. Why? Because when we eliminate God, we eliminate peace. 
because he's the one that brings peace. So if you have an area in your life where you're struggling to find peace, it may be that because you've not fully allowed God to come into that area of your life, it's hard for you to find peace in that area of your life. If I'm still relying on my flesh, then I'm not living according to the Spirit. And if I'm not living according to the Spirit, I won't find peace. Why does he even want to bring us peace? Romans chapter 8, verse 14. I'm glad you asked. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. What's kind of the opposite of peace? Is it fear? You, you, you experience fear when you don't have peace. And he says here, so that you, that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Peace in our minds comes from the Holy Spirit, but let's, let's, let's expand this out. Peace in our lives comes from the Spirit. If you need to experience peace in your life, it comes from a relationship with God. He removed fear, that passage says, because we're in relationship with Him. He's our Father, we are His children, and as a result, we do not have to live in fear. And, and, and this is key. Some of you need to kind of unlock this truth today because it'll make all the difference in your life. What happens is we allow ourselves to be troubled with what's going on. We're bothered by what we see. We have things that cause things to stir up inside of us, and we miss out on the fact that because we're children of God, our Father loves us, He takes away fear, He sends His Spirit to give us peace, and we'll find it if we understand this, when my place is secure, my life is at peace. When I wonder where I'm at or who I am or what I have in front of me, when I let all these questions come in, it robs me of peace. But if I will remember who I am, when my place is secure, my life is at peace. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Um, last weekend, I was with our, our youth ministry here, and we were down at an event in Dayton. Several hundred, uh, five, six hundred teenagers that were there, and it was this this big event. And at the end of it, they had this big kind of closing ceremony, and so... When you go into this thing, you want to try to sit closer to the front, not the back. And uh, so we, we tried to get there so we could kind of get in line and get ready to go. And they, they hadn't opened up the auditorium yet for us to go in there. So we were standing out in the hallway, but there was just chaos. There was, there was no order. People weren't given instructions. And everybody's trying to get in real quick. And in the midst of this, you kind of walk in, and then you would have to round a corner to get into the auditorium. Well, I was outside before the corner, so you couldn't see what the, what the, what the holdup was, why you couldn't get in. We're just kind of standing there, and we're just kind of waiting, you know, and I'm anxious, and I'm, I'm trying to pray through all the bitterness and bad feelings I have as I'm standing there. And all of a sudden, all these teenagers and some of their leaders start trying to go around me because they don't realize that the line is blocked up. They just think I'm standing there for my health, right? And I didn't like it. I got really frustrated because I'm here in line. They're trying to do this. And I said to myself, boy, I sure hope none of these people know I'm a pastor, because I started just doing things. I started like stretching out, you know. I started kind of shifting my body and doing stuff. And I'd see somebody coming and I'd do out of the corner of my eye, you know, and I'd move over. Because you're not getting past me. Because I'm in this place. And I, you know what happened to me is as I'm standing there trying to defend my spot, I was so bothered inside. To the point that I'm saying to myself, why is this bothering me so much? Why am I, why am I troubled by this? And then some dude comes out. About, about 15 minutes too late, and he's like, hey, everybody, we're not opening up yet, so just get in the line, and when we open up, you can all go through. I'm like, thanks a lot now, buddy, right? But then everybody kind of understood what was going on. Everybody knew what their place was in line, and when they did, I felt this peace. Does that make sense? 
I was troubled when I was struggling, when I was striving. But when I realized I was secure where I was, I sensed peace in that moment. And then I thought of this when I got to this scripture. Because in life, I'm struggling and I'm striving and I'm trying to move forward. And if I'll rest in the fact that I'm the child of God, that he's got my back on this, that he already knows my place and he has plans ahead of me that are good, then I can find peace in that. Does that make sense? And so there's something about when my place is secure, my life is at peace. And the Holy Spirit reminds us of this, comes alongside of us, and brings that peace to us. I'm not saying you're not in a time of turmoil. I'm just saying you can find peace when you live in the Spirit in the midst of your turmoil. And look, I I know moms, for some of you, this is a place where you need a lot of peace this year. And for others of us, Although this is a day that we, um, that we celebrate moms, for some of us, it's a tough day for us to celebrate. Because there's some of us that have dreamed of being a mom, and yet that's not where we find ourselves. Some of us who have lost a child, and so this day hurts. Others of us, maybe, maybe we're grieving a loved one, maybe even our mom. And so this day doesn't maybe pack the same celebratory punch as we wish it did. Maybe we have had or we have a strained relationship with our mom, and so this day's painful. Maybe we know the pain of an abortion, and so this day comes with a whole different flood of emotions. On a day like this, I want you to know that your place isn't defined by any of those things. Your place is defined by the fact that you're a child of God. And in the midst of that, even even on tough days, he can bring you peace. That's, That's why we live in the Spirit. That's what he's come to do. And so life in the Spirit is a life of freedom. And life in the Spirit is a life of peace. But this third one, this is the one that I don't want you to miss. Because here's the deal. If you miss the third one, you won't experience the first two. You won't know a life of freedom. And you won't know a life of peace unless you get what we're about to talk about. Number three, what the Holy Spirit brings to us in a Spirit-filled life is a life of fellowship. Life in the Spirit, number three, is a life of fellowship. Now, to get this, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you just to kind of dial in for a minute. I know you're already thinking about what you're going to eat for Mother's Day. Can I get an amen? But dial in with me for just a moment because we're going to have to go into some theological waters for just a minute for this to make any sense. Earlier, we used a word that you're, you're probably familiar with, but we referred to the Trinity. Have you heard of the Trinity? I'll just be honest. We don't, we don't fully get this. And I don't know if we're even supposed to. But the deal is that the scripture shows us that we have one God. We only worship one God. But he makes himself known in in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the... So three different ways in scripture that we see this. And there's this interesting passage. You'll never see the word Trinity in the Bible. It's not there, but the concept is, is all over. Look at this passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. It helps us to see the three parts. It says, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ... And the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And so real clearly there, you see God expressed but mapped out in in, in one God in these three different persons. So everybody with me? See how it's kind of mapped out here. And this is unique for us because sometimes it's hard for us to understand all of this. Because God the Father, that's pretty easy to understand. Because whether he was a good one or not, everybody has a dad. And, And God the Son is easy for us to understand because Jesus came to be like us. He came in human flesh so that we could know him. So God the Father, I, I kind of get that. God the Son, I, I, I do my best to get that. But God the Holy Spirit, I can't, see, I can't see a Holy Spirit. It's hard for me to find a hook to hang that one on. 
so when we look at this, it, it talks here about the love of God, and it talks about the grace of the Son of God, Jesus Christ, but then it uses this word that, honestly, we don't use that much. It talks about the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. I don't know. I, some of you might, but I, I really don't use that word fellowship every day. I mean, I grew up in a church that had a fellowship hall. Anybody else? You could fellowship in the hall, nowhere else, just there. Apparently, that's what they called it. What does that word even mean, fellowship? This is a good place for us to look at. at there's, a, there's a version of the scriptures called The Message that, that was translated by a guy named Eugene Peterson. It, it's kind of a, 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 an interesting commentary on the scriptures. Look at what he says here. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14 in The Message. The amazing grace of the master, Jesus Christ, the extravagant love of God, the intimate Friendship. Do you see, see what he put there? He translated that word a little bit differently than fellowship. He says, the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. I don't know about you, but that helps me. Because some versions say fellowship, some say communion. But I can get intimate friendship. It's this Greek word that's there, it's koinonia. It means this unique relationship that you have with another. It's fellowship, it's communion, it's friendship. The Holy Spirit desires a friendship with you. It, it's, his, it's his hope. It's what he wants. The Holy Spirit desires a friendship with you. Not to be God who's distant, but to be God who's with you. To God who's beside you. To the God who lives in you. That's this powerful thing. And get this. It's what he's always wanted. Sometimes, if you're familiar with the scriptures, sometimes I think we think that, that we've got the Old Testament, you kind of read through the Old Testament, then you take the little break and you get to the New Testament, and that's when the Holy Spirit shows up. That we really don't know he's there until Jesus starts talking about him. And the truth is, he's all throughout scripture. In fact, if you want to find the Holy Spirit, go to the beginning. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Look at what we read here. Very beginning of the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You heard that before? Verse 2. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. Look who shows up. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Everything was empty. It was formless. It was dark. And yet there's God's Spirit. He's, he's hovering. He's stirring. He's moving. Sometimes we refer to, the, refer to that formlessness, that emptiness, as, as chaos. And if you read through the next three chapters in Genesis, watch what the Spirit of God does. When God speaks, the Spirit moves. And when the Spirit moves, He takes what is formless and empty. He takes chaos and He brings divine order to it. He creates something powerful out of it. The Holy Spirit brings divine order. Wouldn't it be great to have some order brought to your chaos? Anybody? And the Holy Spirit comes and it, it's what He does. He brings divine order to the chaos in our lives. What's interesting is, is when you look at this, there's, there's a word that's used for spirit throughout the Old Testament. If, if you're familiar with the Bible, you know that the New Testament was originally written in Greek. The Old Testament was originally written in Hebrew. They had to be translated in languages that we can understand. There's a Hebrew word when, when you see this word spirit, and it's, it's ruach. And if you're really going to translate it, the idea behind it is, is not just spirit, but it's, it's breath. It's wind. And it was difficult probably for the translators to figure out how, how do we get a word that we can use here? Because you can't really say the, the breath or the, or the wind. And so they, they translate this as spirit. But understand what this means here. The, the, the breath is something that brings life. 
And the Spirit is something that, 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 that brings life to us. The wind is something that's moving. It's stirring. It has an energy. You can't see it, but you know that it's at work. You feel it when it's there. And this is the wind. This is the breath of God. In fact, watch how Scripture says this. Psalm 104, verse 30. The psalmist says, When you send your Spirit, they are created. And you renew the face of the ground. There's a creative power in the Spirit. Job 34, verse 14. Look at this. If it were his intention, if it were God's intention, and he withdrew his spirit and breath, all humanity would perish together, and mankind would return to the dust. That says something, doesn't it? That it's God's spirit that gives us life. God breathes life into creation by his spirit. So look, he's not trying to be far from you. He's not trying to be distant from you. He wants to have fellowship with you he wants to breathe life into you by his spirit do you remember there's a there's a a prophecy in the book of ezekiel if you're familiar with the old testament where this guy ezekiel is is shown this vision from god and it's this valley and there's nothing in this valley but but dried up dead bones that's the image that's there dry bones a valley of dry bones and then god says to him hey begin to speak begin to prophesy and if you read through this in ezekiel chapter 37 you see that these dry bones they, they, they come together, and then, and then flesh comes on them again, and life comes back into them. And at the end of this prophecy, look at what God says, Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 14. I will put my spirit in you, and you will live. Look, if your life feels dry, if, if you feel like there's no life in you, that's a pretty good promise, isn't it? That he'll send his spirit, and he'll put his spirit inside of you, and then you'll live. But it gets better. Go back to Romans chapter 8. And and I need to hear this. And you need to hear this. Here's what he says in Romans chapter 8. The spirit. The wind. The breath of God. Helps us in our weakness. Look at verse 26. In the same way the spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for. But the spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans we're going to come back to this in a few weeks and talk about praying in the spirit what all this means verse 27 and he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for god's people in accordance with the will of god let that sink in for a moment that in those moments when when we're disappointed in those moments where we have weakness in those moments when we're frustrated anybody been there Let's be honest, on Mother's Day, I, I couldn't help but read that and think of some of the moms that I know. That there's weakness, spiritually, physically, however you want to look at it, because there's nothing easy about the job that you do, Mom. And some of you, that weakness actually goes beyond weakness to just frustration. Sometimes life's just frustrating. And that frustration may even go on to disappointment. Because I know for... For many of us, and, and moms for many of you, the way things look right now are not the way that you thought that your investment and your energy and your time and your resource were going to end up. And in those moments of our weakness, do you see what he says? That the Spirit, that when we call the, the Spirit comes to us, no, 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 that's not what he said. He doesn't say the Spirit comes to us. We don't have to wait and hope he shows up. The Spirit lives in us. And in those moments of our weakness, 
He prays for us. He goes to God on our behalf. The Spirit works and moves in us. That's what that word intercedes means. The Spirit works on our behalf. He's already at work moving on behalf of your weakness and your frustration. And then it gets better than that. Look at this. Romans chapter 8, verse 34. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. There's that whole no condemnation thing again. Christ Jesus who died, more than that who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. So when you're going through a time of weakness or frustration or disappointment, and you go, boy, I sure wish somebody was praying for me. Somebody is. And it's God. His spirit inside of you, his son at his right hand in heaven, they're praying for you. They're interceding for you. Do you get this? He's got you covered from top to bottom. Don't miss this, because I don't know what you're going through, but God will move heaven and earth to help his children. That's a good word. He's at work for us. Pastor Bill and I were flying back from Hungary back in, in March. We had, we'd been there, if you remember, visiting. That's, that's our missions project, and we were on our way back, and um, we, we had a flight from, 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 uh, from Budapest to, uh, or actually from Brussels to Amsterdam. And there was fog that morning, and it was a tight connection. So as a result, we, we were really running tight from Brussels to Amsterdam. So we land in Amsterdam, we look, and we, we might be able to make it. So we start running, I think, the length of the airport. I, thi- I think we kind of went from one end to the other, and we missed the flight by 10 minutes. Yeah, because I wanted to get home. And I'd even looked a little bit. I didn't, I didn't see any other close flights. I was like, this is... I don't want to be sitting around here for a long time. I just want to be home. It looks like we might have to get back tomorrow. It was all this stuff. And so we come running up to the, you know, the counter thinking maybe, maybe there's still a way. Maybe we'll kind of, and we, we get up to the counter and I, I hand my passport, my little ticket to the lady. And she looks at me and she says, well, Mr. Gilligan, um, I'm sorry to tell you, you've missed your flight. And I'm like, thanks a lot, Einstein. You know, I was like, and she goes, wait, she goes, here's, here's what you need to know. We knew this was happening. And we've already worked on your behalf. We have you booked already on another flight. And you're only going to be here a little bit of time, maybe another hour or two. But if you look at it, you really don't get that, home, that, that, that back home that much more behind than you were. And what we found out even later, we even got better seats. And she says, look, before you even got here, I was already working on your behalf. Before you even knew you had this issue, I was already moving so that your situation would be taken care of. I was already at work taking care of your needs. That was nice to have that advocate, wasn't it? And Scripture says that in the midst of your weakness, in the midst of your trouble, in the midst of that fellowship with the Holy Spirit, God is already moving heaven and earth on your behalf. Now, with that in mind, watch how much better it gets. Are you familiar with this passage of Scripture? We hear it all the time. We quote it all the time. We don't even know what it means. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Have you heard that? Now put it in context. Match 28 with 27. Too many times we read 28, we don't listen to 27. 27 says this, and he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit. Because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that all things, God works for the good of those who love him. 
who have been called according to his purpose. Do you see what that said there? That the Holy Spirit who lives in you, who can bring you freedom, who can bring you peace, who wants to have a relationship with you, is already working and moving. And that spirit inside of you knows how to do God's best for your life when you love him and for his glory. That's a good word, isn't it? So get this. Get this. You can experience freedom. And you can experience peace. And you can experience that fellowship, that intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit. The problem is, for far too many of us, we're just not. Because we've been living as if there's only two people in the Trinity. Instead of three. We got God the Father down, and we know all about Jesus the Son. But maybe even we've been resistant to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And that's a pretty boring place to be. Sometimes when you're, when you're in a place where you're bored, you know, you know what we call that? <laughs> we call it the doldrums. Have you ever heard of that? Oh, I'm in the doldrums. Did you know it's a real place? There's a, there's a place called the, the doldrums. It's, it's this band around the equator. It's really interesting. If, if, you're a, if you're a sailor, maybe you're familiar with this, that about five degrees north of the equator and five degrees south of the equator, there's this band, especially in the Pacific, that they refer to as the doldrums. And what's interesting is you've got all the weather and, and the wind patterns of the northern hemisphere that come there to that spot in the equator. And you've got all the weather and the wind patterns of the southern hemisphere that come to that spot in the equator. And you know what happens when they meet? They cancel each other out. In fact, oftentimes they'll refer to this as the desert of the ocean because you have the intense heat of the equator. And when those patterns come together and cancel each other out, there is no wind. It's not that big of a deal when you have GPS and an engine. But if you're a sailor who is sailing... With a sail, you need the wind. And if you hit the doldrums, you're stuck there. And until something unique happens in that place, you could be stuck there for a long time. Because the wind doesn't blow. In fact, there's been a lot of sailors and ships that have died right there. Stuck in the doldrums. Spiritually, that's where some of you are. Because you haven't opened yourself up, stay with me here for a minute, to let the wind of the Spirit come into your life. To take you out of that spiritual doldrum, to allow a fresh breath of God to come in and make a difference in your life. What if you were to open yourself up and say, Holy Spirit, I need your peace. Holy Spirit, I need your freedom. My prayer is that as we go through these next few weeks, that you're going to open yourself up, that the wind of the Spirit, isn't it nice that spring might actually be here now? I opened my windows yesterday. Guess what came in? Air. Breeze. The wind. Is refreshing the right word? Look, some of your hearts are really stale. And it, it's a season for you to open up to the wind of the Spirit. For some of you, it's time to let God breathe a fresh breath of air into your life. And so I'm going to ask you to stand right now, whether you're in this room, auditorium 2, even if you're watching on a screen somewhere. And if you're willing... Would you lift your hands to the Lord and would you be open? Holy Spirit, I, I need something new from you. Holy Spirit, I need your freedom. Holy Spirit, I need your peace. Holy Spirit, I need that relationship with you. That, that, that breath of fresh air. Holy Spirit, we welcome your presence here. God, we desire that you would dwell in our lives. That you, that you would stir in our hearts. Holy Spirit, we open ourselves up to you. May, may the fresh breath of heaven. Come into our hearts today. Thank you.
if that's your prayer. Would you be open to a fresh breath from God? Let the wind of His Spirit bring that renewal. Thank you, Lord. Sing that again. in that song that are powerful. That word overwhelm. I'm going to guess maybe some of you are, are feeling in this moment something that is uh, maybe even kind of fresh or new to you. That's God's presence. That's His Spirit. With that Spirit comes freedom. With that Spirit comes peace. And I, and I fully believe that for some of you, God is, is uh, he's creating a hunger for you to know him more, to experience his presence more. And this isn't just something that has to happen in this room. But I believe God's going to begin to do something in some of your lives where you're going to wake up thinking a little bit differently. There's going to be this desire inside of you for what God has for you, for for life in the spirit, not just life in the flesh. For some of you, you're, you're about to begin, I, I fully believe, a season that in the next few months, you're going to start to know God in a way that's new and, and more than ever, and, and life and distractions and even the enemy might try to keep you from that. But would you walk out of here today with a, with a commitment and a conviction that says, God, by your Holy Spirit, I open myself up to something new and fresh. I don't want to be stuck in the doldrums. I want your spirit to blow in my life. I want a, I want a fresh breath of God to do something creative in me. It brings freedom. It brings peace. We would know the Holy Spirit in, in a powerful way in every, in every moment of our life. God, this is more than just a, a sermon and a song. This is our desire for, for the big things that you want to do in our lives. So Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. In your church, in our hearts. God, would you start something new in us today? God, as we go from here, we ask that you you'd go with us in your freedom, in your peace, in your fellowship. We pray that you'd send us out with your special favor, with your wonderful peace. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.